0: All right, good evening. Let's all stand together. We lift up our voices as we sing, I'm so happy, and here's the reason why. And then, at Calvary. I'm so happy, and here's the reason why. Jesus took my burdens all away. Now I'm singing as the days go by. Jesus took my burdens all away. Once my heart was heavy with the load of sin, Jesus took that load and gave me peace within. load of sin, Jesus took that load and gave me peace within, now I'm seeing as the days go by, Jesus took my burdens all away. my sin I learn then-
1: of you out for our evening service. Let's open up with a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you that we can come together and I pray that you'd be with us as we lift up our voices in song and turn our hearts to you in prayer. And I do ask that you'd be with the message tonight, that it would speak to each of our hearts and draw us nearer to you. Lord, we lift up before you those who can't be here this evening for whatever reason, some who are live streaming and some who are, are not able I pray that you would be with our church family near and far. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Amen. Please be seated.
0: Let's continue in singing. Just a closer walk with thee, and then the old
1: rugged cross.
0: Sorry, (laughs) I'm ready now, I'm ready. I am weak, but thou art strong. Jesus, keep me from all wrong.
1: There, that's a blessing let's turn in our Bibles to Romans chapter 1 if you would we're going to look Romans chapter 1 verses 8 down through 12 this evening and the title of the message comes from verse 9 if you notice the very first phrase in verse 9 it says for God is my witness and that that's the title of our, our lesson our message tonight for God is my witness and there are three things in verses 8 down through 12. That I want to encourage you with want to challenge you with concerning God is our witness he is our witness as to whom we serve to whom we pray and to whom we follow and we see all that in that text there so let's ask his blessing on the word and then we'll get in there and we'll look at it father in heaven I pray that you be with us as we look into these verses I ask that you'd stir each one of our hearts we thank you and praise you that you do care about all aspects of our lives. And as we look at this part of the book of Romans, we're challenged, Lord, that you are the witness of all that goes on in our daily lives. Help us to live a life that truly would honor you. In Christ's name we pray, amen. So I'm gonna read the text to you, verses eight down through 12. For uh, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers, making request, if by any means now at length I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. For I long to see you, that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift, to the end ye may be established. That is, that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. So as I mentioned just a minute ago, there are three things that God is a witness of in our lives that are talked about in this text. The first one is who we serve, who it is that we serve in our lives. Look down here at verse nine. He says, for God is my witness Whom I serve with my spirit. It's interesting that here the apostle writes, he says, I, Lord, serve you. That's who I serve. But if you note, he qualifies it. He says, whom I serve with my spirit and the gospel of his son. So I want you to note that the word spirit there is not capitalized. He's not talking about the Holy Spirit. He's talking about his individual spirit. And you and I we're called the Bible calls us or theologians call us a trichotomy. We are a body, soul and spirit. That's what the Bible talks about is our makeup, body, soul and spirit. And here the apostle Paul he's saying, "Lord, I serve you and I serve you with my spirit." Who I am, the core of who I am as a person. And he qualifies it again by saying Who is it that he is serving? By his spirit, he is serving the Lord Jesus Christ. So as we understand this, we understand that God himself, and the apostle says in verse nine, for God is my witness. God himself notes that we choose to serve him. And that we choose him not in a cursory kind of casual way, but from the very depths of our spirit, we serve the Lord Jesus Christ. He is who we are. We are identified as Christians. Uh, There are people who look at us and they think we are very strange. And that's okay. You know, they look and they think to themselves, well, why would you go to church Sunday morning and Sunday night? They don't understand because they don't have a passion for Christ within their hearts and their lives. But we're not answering to them, are we? We don't need to answer to everybody about our faith. Now, we want to answer to everybody concerning Jesus Christ and share the gospel. But I don't have to give an excuse. I don't have to give an explanation for why I serve the Lord Jesus Christ with my spirit. And that's what the Apostle Paul is doing here. He's talking about his relationship with God. And he wants it to be understood that God is his witness that he serves the Lord from the very depths of his soul. Again, verse 9, For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son. So you and I, as we serve the Lord Jesus Christ, as we serve God Almighty, part of that service is connected to the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that's why when he comes down there in verse 9, he says with my spirit in the gospel of his son. Now, we know that the scriptures themselves define the gospel. The gospel is defined as the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, for us, living here in the year 2022, we are well acquainted with the definition of the gospel. But people then, the idea that God came from heaven, took upon himself the form of a man, so that he might die for the souls of mankind and then resurrect from the dead, this was revolutionary. In fact, when you read through the book of Romans, where the Apostle Paul uh, teaches and preaches about salvation, when you go to the book of Acts and you find him up on Mars Hill preaching and teaching about the gospel, people were confused and shocked. It created a stir because they did not understand the idea. That God came, took upon himself flesh, lived, suffered, died, and rose from the dead for your soul. That God would love that much, love you that much. But Paul here is referencing that God is his witness, that absolutely with the depths of his spirit, he is serving the Lord, serving the Son of God and His gospel the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. You and I should be stirred and challenged to do the same thing. The only reason we know the gospel is because men and women like Paul served God with their spirit, spreading the gospel of the Son of God. We would not know in the year 2022 if others hadn't done what he did and the next generation will not know if we don't do what they did. We have to understand that God is our witness in our lifetime, in our short time here upon this earth. God is our witness as to whether we are sincerely and genuinely serving him and sharing and living the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. But I told you there's three things I want you to see in here that God is our witness about. The second one is uh, verse 8 in the second part of verse 9. So look here, if you would, in verse 8. He says, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all, that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. And then come down, look at verse 9 again. We already talked about the first part of verse 9. For God is my witness, whom I served with my spirit in the gospel of his son, that without ceasing, I make mention of you always in my prayers god is our witness concerning our prayer life i was talking to a pastor who in his 90s he's passed away now but he pastored several large churches and started a worldwide organization that really made a difference for the cause of christ around the world and him and i were talking one day and he said to me he said one of the things I regret the most in all my years of ministry is I didn't spend enough time in prayer. He said, I studied, I preached, I worked, but you know, I look back at my life and he said, I just didn't pray enough. And here you find the Apostle Paul, he challenges us. He says, you and I need to understand that God is our witness concerning our prayer life. Verse 9, again, For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers. So Paul is making it clear. I do pray, and I recognize that God notices and uh, acknowledges my prayer. He is my witness that I'm praying for you. And you and I in our individual circles and in our individual lives, We should be prayer warriors. You should be praying for your children, but not just your children. Your nieces, your nephews, your cousins. You should be praying for your co-workers. John, back there on the back row, he prays earnestly for his co-workers. He often mentions how much he cares for and and tries to minister to his co-workers. It should be a real part of who we are. As God is our witness, we should be prayer warriors. We pray through our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5 says, There is one God, one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. So that's why at the end of our prayers, we say, In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, I pray. Because he is our mediator between man and God. We come through our Lord because he is The Savior, the Messiah, the connection that we have to Almighty God, the triune God. So as we look at this verse, we understand that there's a relationship built in our prayer life. As we reach out to God the Father through our Lord Jesus Christ, yes, it's the mystery of the Trinity, but yet it's what we're taught to do. And we do that in the Spirit. Not only our Spirit, but the Holy Spirit The Holy Spirit prays that which we ourselves cannot even utter. We need to be people who are prayerful people. In fact, 1 Thessalonians 5.17 tells us we should be praying without ceasing. One of the shortest verses in the New Testament. In fact, the verse before it is also just a bit shorter. 1 Thessalonians 5.16 says, Rejoice evermore. And that's part of prayer, learning to give thanks. And that's exactly what he says to us here, isn't it? He says that without ceasing, I make mention of you always in my prayers. He's talking about them. Let's go back to verse eight. Also, he's talking about them. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you, for you all, that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. How often do we take time to just thank God for our brothers and sisters in Christ at church? To sit down and pray for those who aren't well, those who can't be here, and to say, Lord, thank you. Thank you for that person. Thank you for that person. I know that uh, fairly often one of the ladies in the church will say to me, uh, Suzanne, Smokey and Suzanne, you guys know Smokey and Suzanne. Suzanne sent one of the ladies a note. And then how it ministers to them and cares. And they're thankful for Suzanne sending them that note. Isn't it nice to just step back and be thankful? And we should be thankful for the folks who keep the nursery. The folks who work with our children in Sunday school, in junior church, primary church folks who work with our teens, folks who teach our adult classes, it should be that we are thankful. As God is our witness, and that's a pretty serious statement to make, isn't it? Paul's making the statement, as God is my witness, he says, I think of you and I pray for you. We should be every bit as motivated to pray through our Lord Jesus Christ, to pray with that thankful heart, rejoicing evermore, praying without ceasing, as is mentioned in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, and making specific mention of others. It's what he says in verse 19. He says, I make mention of you always in my prayers. That's personal, isn't it? It's specific. He's writing to the church in Rome. He's saying, "I make mention of you." Now, it takes a little longer in our prayer life, but we need to take time to mention people personally, individually to God. Don't just say, "Lord, I pray for our church." Think about the people who need prayer. I I told Sandra Joe this morning, I woke up around this is about and I thought, oh, man, I gotta go back to sleep. I gotta get a little bit of sleep. I am not Kurt Boyce. I'm not getting up at 4.45 in the morning. But I couldn't go back to sleep. So as I laid there and tossed and turned, I just started praying for people in our church, praying for some of Sandy's family, my family, just taking some time to pray and mentioning people individually. That's something we should do if we have a real heart for our church family, for our family, our community. We should be mentioning people individually. It's interesting when you come down to verse 10, he continues on the theme of talking about prayer. Listen to what he says in verse 10. Making request, if by any means now at length, I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. Part of prayer is, yes, rejoicing evermore. Yes, it is interceding for others. But sometimes we do have to go ahead and make requests, don't we? We take those things in our lives that are weighing upon our hearts and we bring them before God. It's bringing a request, a petition before the Lord. And as God is our witness, he is the one we should be going to with the requests in our lives. There are so many decisions we make. And sometimes if we're not careful, we don't make them with the Lord. And there is nobody wiser or nobody who cares more about us than God himself. So it should be that you bring those big decisions before him and say, Lord, what do you say? What do you think? Should I buy that car? Should I buy that truck? Should I buy that house? Should I take that? A wife? Should I take a husband? Should I I go ahead and take this job or move to this city? Sometimes as a pastor, I'm grieved by people who move to places and then later they say, I can't find a church anywhere. You should have never moved there if there's no church for you to attend. You check that out before you make the move. You don't check that after you make the move. He asked the Lord, Lord, put me in a place where I can worship, where I can fellowship, where I can serve. That should be right up there at the top of the list. So here you find the apostle. He says, I am making request," And that leads right into our third point. So God is our witness of who we serve, of who we pray to, and also of whom we follow. So if you'll listen as the apostle talks down here in verse 10 through 12, he talks about a trip. He's talking about where it is that he's wanting to go and he wants the Lord to lead him according to his will. Listen to what he says. Verse 10, making request, if by any means now at length, I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. For I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end you may be established. That is, that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith both of you and of me. So the Apostle Paul talks here about life's journey. God leading and guiding him in life's journey. It's interesting when you look in the New Testament uh, in fact, turn with me, if you would, to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 12, and I want to show you a text that really helps us to reflect on how that the Lord guides us and directs us and walks with us in our life's journey, and how we should think about how we live that life, how we take that journey. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, look with me down, if you would, at verse 12. And there's a lot in this verse. He says, For our rejoicing is this, the testimony of our conscience, that in simplicity and godly sincerity, not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God, we have had our conversation. And that word conversation, in 1611, when your Bible was translated from the Greek in this particular text here, That word conversation means lifestyle, my life. He says we have had our lifestyle in the world, our life that we have lived in the world, and more abundantly to you word. He uses the word conversation, but that word is an archaic English word in the context. And it means my lifestyle, the way I've lived my life. So when we read and we connect Romans to 2 Corinthians, both of them written by the Apostle Paul under the inspiration of God, both of them talking about the journey of life. Now, here in Romans, he's saying, I have asked the Lord to give me the opportunity, the journey to come in fellowship with you, to come and visit with you, to minister to you as you minister to me. And when you come to 2 Corinthians, and he's talking about this life that he's lived, he talks about how you shape and form and practice that life. Look again with me, if you would, at 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 12. And let's break it down a little bit and look at his recommendations for our life journey. How we should live our life journey. For our rejoicing is this, the testimony of our conscience. So he starts off telling us, you know what? We should be living our life's journey as a testimony of conscience, meaning a good conscience. It should be that you have a good conscience about the way you live your life. A thief does not have a good conscience, I would not think, would you? I would not think a a person who's an abuser of others, I would not think they would have a good conscience, would they? I would not think a a person who is a bad citizen, they, they don't do their job, they don't accomplish the things they should, they don't contribute, I would not think they would have a good conscience. But instead, people who are really striving to do right, striving to do that which honors God, they would have a good conscience. So he starts off here in verse 12. He says, For our rejoicing is this, the testimony of our conscience, Now he's going to list it out for us. Help us to understand the life we should live. He says that in simplicity and godly sincerity, not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God, we have had our conversation, our lifestyle, our life in the world. And more abundantly, to you Word. So he starts clicking it off. He says, I've lived a simple life. I'm not trying to be more than I am. In fact, the Apostle Paul has made it very clear that he is a humble servant of the Lord. He would laid aside all the airs of education and striving towards trying to be somebody of great renown. He's gone ahead and laid that all aside. A lot of the times he's a prisoner in a prison. He lives a pretty humble life, a pretty simple life simply preaching the gospel, isn't he? He says, you know what? My lifestyle before God is a simple life. Then he goes on and he says that I live it in godly sincerity. And godly sincerity is something that should be a part of every one of our lives. It's part of worshiping and knowing God from the spirit out, from the very core of who we are. That godly sincerity where we look at it and we think to ourselves, well, I'm not just punching my religious card. I worked in machine shops for many years and I would come to work in the morning and I would walk up to the big time clock. I don't know if they still do that. Everything's digital nowadays. But back then it was it was actually a clock with a face on it. You'd put your card in there. And it wasn't that long ago. We're not talking about in the 1800s here. You slip the card in and it would go, Pung! and it would stamp right on the card what time I punched into work. I would punch in. Now, some shops I worked in, I had to punch that card many times a day. Every time I would change from one job to the next job, as far as making parts, you'd have to re-punch. To be honest with you, I was not really giving it my My spirit. You know, I'm just doing my job. And I was doing a job for the same reason you were probably doing a job. For a paycheck. I punch my card. God is saying that's not how we do our faith. We're not just punching a card. We're not just going through the motions. We're not just doing the job. He says we should be walking with and worshiping the Lord In godly sincerity. It's something that comes from the deep spirit within. I can say as a pastor, it's a whole different world than going to the machine shop. To the machine shop, I, I, I did my job and I did it to the best of my ability. But when I went home, do you know where the machine shop stayed? At the machine shop. Ministry is different. Sunday school teachers, junior church teachers, oh, uh, you know, our arc preschool teachers. Listen, we do serve from the spirit, from the heart. And when we go home, it goes with us. We think about it, work on it. Sandra Joe and I, when we get up in the morning, we start talking about church. We work through things, talk through things. I get home in the evening. We're often talking about. What, are we, what did we do today? What did I do today? What, how's that going to work? And what else are we going to do? And We never leave it here. He is telling us that's how our, our Christian walk should be. It should be that it's just part of who we are. Part of our very core and being. In godly sincerity, we walk with, serve, follow the Lord. It's interesting that he goes on by saying, No fleshly wisdom. He says, in simplicity and godly sincerity, not with fleshly wisdom, because really it's an easy thing for you and I to just kind of leave the Lord on the side and just keep marching on. Have you ever gone on a hike with little kids? They have no idea where they're going, but all of a sudden they take the lead. And I'll say to my grandkids every once in a while, I'll say, guys, do you know where you're going? No. Then why are you leading? They're just going to follow the path. The problem is sometimes the path doesn't take you where you need to go. And sometimes we do that in life, don't we? We get so busy and we're in such a hurry and we're so distracted that we leave the Lord behind us and we grab a hold of this worldly wisdom and we just keep charging on. God says, no, we need to leave the worldly wisdom behind. And in the sincerity of the spirit, we need to, with godly wisdom, godly sincerity, we need to follow him. The Apostle Paul here closes that verse in verse 12 by saying that he's doing it by the grace of God. Listen again what he says. For our rejoicing is this, the testimony of our conscience, that in simplicity and godly sincerity, not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God, we have had our conversation in the world and more abundantly to you. word. By the grace of God. Each of us as we follow him, it should be by the grace of God. We should be striving in every way to honor him with our lives. In our language, in our entertainment, in the places we go and the things we do the way we raise our children, the way we invest in our future, it should be that by the grace of God, we do it all to honor him. As we go back to Romans chapter one, and as we look at the apostle Paul talking to us about this prayer he's brought before God, he says, I'm asking the Lord that he would allow me to come, that I could come and be with you Look again what verse 10 says in Romans 1. Making requests, if by any means now at length, I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. And each of us in our lives, we should be striving to live our lives as a prosperous journey led by the will of God. Because we're all on a journey, aren't we? The Bible teaches us that we are sojourners and that this life is but a vapor. It appears for time and then we are gone. Absolutely. So in this journey that we are on, he himself asking for God to direct his path and you and I in our lives asking God to direct ours, it should be that we are also asking the Lord to give us a prosperous journey but that it be a journey by the will of him, the will of God. As we come into verse 11, we really learn something about interacting with others. Listen to verse 11. For I long to see you, that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift, to the end ye may be established. Do you notice the apostle, he's saying, I'm wanting to come to be with you, not for what I'm going to get, what I can give. Isn't that something that we could all strive towards? Asking ourselves, Lord, in my life's journey, help me to be a giver. Help me to be that person who gives. You know, it's often mentioned that in this world we live in, there are givers and takers. And you and I, we should strive to be givers. The old saying, it is more blessed to give than to receive, has a lot of truth in it. There really are so many wondrous things when you learn to give to others. And the apostle here, he tells us, he says, I want to come. I'm asking God for him to open the avenue that I might come in my life's journey to be with you. That I may impart unto you some spiritual gift. To the end, ye may be established. He says, I want to help you so that you can be more established in your faith, more established in your life. I want to benefit your life by my presence. Isn't it so much better when you show up at somebody's house for them to say, wow, it's Doris. She's come to see us. You don't want it to be. Oh, who's that that pulled up, pull the shades down. You don't want that to happen, right? And that's what the apostle Paul's saying. He's saying, I'm, I'm, I'm praying for God to allow me to come so that I can invest in you and you will prosper. You will benefit from my presence. He comes down a little bit. Probably. Listen to verse 12. That is that I may be comforted together with you. By the mutual faith, both of you and me. You know, as we continue on this COVID trail that we have been on for over two years, we need to comfort one another. There are definitely brothers and sisters in Christ who need to hear from you. They need your comfort. And as you comfort them, you'll be surprised to find that they comfort you. There are folks who... For one reason or another, they have not been in church for a year, two years, ever since COVID came. We have one lady whose daughter has serious stomach cancer and is very fragile. And she told me, she said, Pastor, I just can't risk going out. She said, I, because I'm caring for my daughter. And I understand that. Don't you understand that? You know, and we need to pray for Jeannie Green because that's who she is. She needs needs you to reach out, minister to her, and you'll see that she'll minister to you. And there's a number of folks in our church. You you call me and I'll give you a little list if you want to make some calls and touch some lives. And that's what the apostle is talking about here. He says, listen, I want to minister to you And in return, he says, I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. Now, in their day, they were in much worse condition than you and I. We're dealing with the the restrictions and the frustration of COVID. They were dealing with people being arrested, persecuted, even killed for their faith. And yet he talks about ministering to, comforting each other, one with another, because of their faith. So when we look at this text, and he says, God is my witness. God is my witness as I serve him. God is my witness as I pray to him. And God is my witness as I follow him. In our life's journey, and every one of us is on a life's journey that's a little bit different, isn't it? It's just a little unique. You know, I, I look around the room. Just this morning, I was talking to one of the guys that was leaving, and I asked him if he's working from home. He said, No, I'm retired. I did not know he was retired. His life journey is completely different than my life journey. I look down here and I see Jenny and Kelsey with that little tiny baby at the end of the pew there in that that car seat. Listen, let me tell you, their life journey is very different than my life journey right now. And yours too. Now, we once were there, but that's not where we are now. Amen? Each of us has a different, unique place that we're in right now. But as we do that life's journey, we must remember that God is our witness. He sees all and knows all. He wants to have a relationship with you. And we, in return, have a relationship with him. But that relationship touches everybody around us as well. And I want to challenge you this week. I want you to take some time to do like the Apostle Paul. He said, I'm thinking about you and I'm praying for you. And he's talking about individuals. And I want to challenge you this week. Think about your church family. Think about people that you haven't seen. Think about people that you can just send a note to. Or a little call. Maybe even swing by. Just to minister to them. And I promise you. It is blessed to give. You give a little time. Maybe bring by a. A Dunkin' Donuts iced coffee. No donuts, though, Kim. I won't encourage the donut thing. The iced coffee, though. Just give a little to somebody and you will see you will get much back. Just like the Apostle Paul. Let's have a word of prayer and we'll be dismissed tonight. Thank you so much for coming out. Lord in heaven, as we get ready to go forth from this building as we go out into this world that we live in. Lord, I pray that you would help us to really embrace the understanding and truth that you are the witness of our lives. Lord, help us to serve you with all of our spirit. Help us to truly be people of great prayer and help us to follow you in your will in our life's journey. Thank you, Lord,